0: Welcome to the At The Hive podcast, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. On today's episode, we talk about the Hornets' devastating losses to the Suns and to the Bulls, them occupying real estate in the heads of the Detroit Pistons, a look ahead to their weak slate of games in this homestand, the NBA's proposed schedule changes and how they're beneficial to the Hornets if they go through with them, and of course, who's buzzing and who's wasn't. Let's get started. What's up, guys? Welcome to the At The Hive podcast. It's your hosts, Jonathan and Zach. Zach, how are you doing? R.I.P. Ron Rivera, Jonathan. <laughs> we just <laughs> heard the news. Yes, Ron Rivera is out as a Panthers head coach after n- almost nine years. So that's the big hey. news around Charlotte sports today. But well, we've got hey, a Hornets podcast to talk about. Their job. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably time, but it's always sad. Like it's, I, I've been like, we need to get rid of Rivera. And then I see that it gets announced today. I'm like, Oh, poor guy. I feel bad now. Do you think, and I'm going to ask you the big question right off the bat on the podcast.
1: Do you think Ron Rivera is the only professional sports coach to get fired in Charlotte this year? Yeah. Or I should say this season.
0: Yeah. Brego's fine. Okay. All right. You're you saving you Borrego. Do you agree with that?
1: I totally agree. It depends on how many losses uh, pile up and how Jordan – if Jordan is able to say, hey, this is a, I'm going to be measured about this decision. But if I know one thing about Michael Jordan, he doesn't like <laughs> to lose.
0: Yeah, I just think the expectations coming into the season were super low, and I think the front office and the, everybody within the organization knew that. Like Mitch Kupchak was in Australia uh, to scout, and the two people he'd be scouting in Australia are LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton, and both are supposed to be top five picks. Um, so I think that that in and of itself shows where the team's expectations are for themselves. They have uh, an think...
1: idea that this is going to be a losing season, which we've yeah, and'd be
0: about. Yeah. yeah, and the hornets are doing that losing season thing in spectacular fashion over the last couple of weeks. Are you not entertained? <laughs> so we talked about it earlier that the hornets were due to regress um to and the boy, mean. Did they, did they regress. <laughs> Yeah, and then and regression doesn't happen like in a short time frame. Like it's not like if you win a close game you But they were not going to keep winning games at this at this rate in such in so many close fashions. And the but the way they've lost these games lately is spectacular. Like I've said it a couple of times on Twitter. I knew the Hornets were gonna regress to the mean. I did not think they were going to regress to the mean in this way.
1: You know, we we go around the table at Thanksgiving and we talk about things that we'll, we are thankful for. And on top of family and my wife, I added, I was thankful for the Detroit Pistons. Because at least I got a little <laughs> reprieve from the losses from the Detroit Pistons.
0: Yeah, and the Detroit Pistons are the only two wins that the Hornets have since our last episode, which was two weeks ago since we didn't record uh, Thanksgiving week. Right. So yes, very thankful for the, the Detroit Pistons and the and the uh, the fact that the Hornets own space in their head and the Pistons cannot close the deal against the Hornets. I don't know what it is about that,
1: but the losses that we had, although they were spectacularly huge uh, in some circumstances, these are teams that are at the top of the Eastern Conference. We're talking about the Bucks, the Raptors, the Heat. Um, those were the really big losses. I guess, you know, we lost pretty big to the Wizards but everyone else at least
0: we kept competitive so uh, I, I want to ask you is this the most like consistently inconsistent team to this point that you've ever seen Like the Hornets every single good team that they've played has just completely run them off the court every single one every single team that's not good the Hornets have played dead even there's no variation from that over the course of the season. Yeah, and is is that not the description of a
1: of a bad team that it is you're you're competitive with bad
0: teams and you get blown out by good teams. It is it is a description of a bad team, but like normally over the course of a season, you see some like oscillation like a bad team will upset a good team or they'll get run off the floor by another bad team because it just wasn't their night. But so far this season through a quarter of the season, it's been, if the Hornets play a bad team, they will play close. They won't blow them out. They won't get blown out. It will be a close game down to the wire. And if they play a team that's supposed to be in the playoffs, the game will be over by the middle of the third, or the middle of the fourth quarter. Every single time. And I don't know what that means.
1: I mean, all right, so big picture, I think that talent in the NBA this year, last year, maybe the past five to 10 years have been concentrated on the, the playoff teams, the teams that have uh, big name players on their teams. And this year it's kind of coming to a head where like, even people who are of mediocre talent, I've heard um, waiters name being pushed around as, as, a trade chip going to the Lakers or something like that, simply because anybody who has playoff aspirations, who wants to go deep in the playoffs, they attract Any type of talent. So it's not like the Hornets or the Wizards can really be competitive in the trade market, in the buyout market, just because they're looking to go to teams that are already winning and already have champion aspirations.
0: Yeah, there's like a fine line where like at this point in the season, only the really good teams are getting good players and the bad teams are just kind of getting worse.
1: Yeah, and you can't attract anybody if you're just going to get worse.
0: And that's kind of where the Hornets are. So on the two losses, the two losses that stand out the most to me were the Bulls game uh, last Saturday before last and then the Suns game on Monday night. Levine just, the legend. <laughs> Levine just the legend. Because Just because of the, like, I don't, I think, so which of the two, to start off, which of the two was the worst loss? Like, which was a more heartbreaking, like, shocking loss to watch for you? The bull. the end of the Bulls game. Okay.
1: It r- reminded me of the um, game last year when Jeremy Lamb didn't have control of the ball at the last second, finally got it in his hands and did that bank three-pointer to win the game.
0: Mm-hmm. That's basically
1: exactly what Levine did this year.
0: Yeah. So I guess I guess the Hornets were owed one. And I think, and I, I agree with you, the Bulls game is the worst game. Um, And I think it was like 75%. I put this poll up on Twitter and like 75% of people said the Bulls. I think if the Suns game happened first, the answer might be the Suns. But since the Bulls game had happened so recently, like it was kind of expected.
1: Part for the course,
0: yeah. Yeah. So here's here's my story. I was at the the Bulls game, and I was uh, doing my typical stuff, but I was doing it on my phone during the game because I, which I am want to do sometimes. So I'm writing mm-hmm. the recap like on my phone during like uh, timeouts and stuff. And when Terry Rozier made a shot to go by like seven or eight, I wrote in the recap that Terry Rozier iced the game with a three-pointer or with free throws <laughs> or something. I wrote that in the recap and I was like finishing it up and I was just waiting for the game to end so I could put the final score in. I even started typing like the Bulls made some threes to make it interesting but the Hornets still came out. On top. And I'm like in the process of typing that and then stuff goes like completely hits the fan I'm like, oh my God. My brother is sitting next to me, and he looked down at my phone, and he just laughed because he saw what I had typed on my phone. And I had to clear out the whole last paragraph and rewrite the whole thing after the yeah, game ended. What that
1: says to me, Jonathan, is that it's your fault. When you yeah, write I've... something like that before the <laughs> end of the game, that imagined, I imagine it's your fault. You put that bad I've... juju out there. I've done it before
0: and, and <laughs> I always get a little bit nervous when I start doing that because I try to get these done quick. Cause like once the game ends, I want to go about my life. So I try to get them to, and people have seen this before I get them up like right after the game ends. Um, but it, de- I definitely feel like I'm, I'm uh, messing with the basketball gods when I start writing like final results and stuff when the game's still being played. Um, just because another, <laughs> and the gods and, have struck you down with a another aside. I uh, I published the Bucks recap before the game ended because I figured the Bucks were going to run out the clock, so I just went ahead and hit publish, and then they took a shot with like two seconds left in the game, and I was like, oh no, that better not go in. <laughs> and it didn't. So, just okay. behind the
1: curtain, behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um, teams never but, do that
0: when they're up by 40. They don't shoot with two seconds left in the game with the shot clock running down. They just take the shot clock violation and let the game end. But what were we about to say? So... I
1: did something that I try not to do uh, in my normal uh, life. And I've read the comments on our last podcast, uh-huh. specifically a lot of people were calling us Debbie Downers, Jonathan. Yeah, um, that's uh, yeah. And I, I want games like the Suns and games like the bulls game. Those are great games. I am mm-hmm. interested in what's going on. They're entertaining. You see some Hornets, do things that you see some potential, some future in their game, but they're losses, and we need to treat them like losses, and we don't know how to finish games, and th- that's a problem. So, so acknowledging that there are problems in the game doesn't mean that you know I'm down on the Hornets or you know, I'm not enjoying doing this podcast or being a, a part of the Charlotte Hornets journey, but you do have to recognize that this team isn't ready to win yet there's a lot of potential and I could see, you know, with a better, with a good draft pick this coming year and, you know, hopefully some good decisions with the front office, we could bring in some players that could make this team in the future, a good to great team. But right now you just can't you can't ignore reality, you know?
0: Yeah. and, And, and I will say, I want to give credit to our commenters because in general, they're very good compared to most corners of the internet where it's just a cesspool of bad opinions and bad people our, our commenters are very good but i do understand like the deputation about us being debbie downers but i i think it'd be unfair and i've said this before to put overly high expectations on this team as it is right now because they're young and like you said what we're rooting for right now is signs of hope signs of promise and closing out games is a young team problem like they don't, they're gonna they're gonna falter in late game execution when the pressure's at its highest, and that's what young teams do, and that's what the Hornets are doing, and there's no shame in that.
1: Yeah, and you look at—I don't know if you watch the bench when you uh, watch basketball games, but I like to watch the bench, watch their reactions. And this team is invested in the players on the team doing well. Um, mm-hmm. When Marvin Williams had that weird uh, and one in the Suns game. You saw the bench react to that. You saw them be really hyped for Marvin Williams. I, it's great to see that. Even those winning uh, Cavalier teams with LeBron on it, like they were winning fifty games a season, and you wouldn't see them react to the success of their players. And mm-hmm. you see when players do well with the Hornets, you see the bench react, and that's what I live for. I, I like to see that happen.
0: I do too. I, that always I love the 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 bench reactions, especially when it's like not guy like it's it's like unheralded guys like when marvin williams does something or when biz does like when biz Zero stepped on monday night and the whole bench was losing their minds because it's just like these guys all play for each other and they all like playing together that stuff that does make it a lot more enjoyable to watch if they're having fun we're having
1: easier exactly it's easier to see them lose because Mm -hmm. you see them being invested in each other um, can yeah. we talk a little bit about the coming schedule? Can I can I change up the, and then we can get yeah. to? I know you want to talk about that kind of stuff because I wanted to specifically talk a little bit about the Golden State Warriors.
0: Yeah, um, we can. Yeah, we can switch stuff around. We can go ahead and look ahead to next week. Cool. cool. Go I
1: it. wanted to talk about the Golden State Warriors because they have four wins right now. Jonathan,
0: <laughs> they're bad. The Golden they're State Warriors whoever. aggressively bad.
1: And my question to you is. What happens if they're just bad all year, and they they <laughs> have the they have the worst record right now? What if they end the year with the worst record? They get some type of top three pick, and you would see this Golden State Warriors <laughs> come back with a healthy Clay Thompson, uh, Steph Curry, Draymond, and then this amazing top three pick. I just I feel like it's got a Spurs. Um, not playing Robinson to get Tim Duncan kind of atmosphere going on there, and you know Steve Kerr has got a, a Spurs history as well. Do you do you have some conspiracy theory feeling <laughs> going on with them? Because I, I don't do. know.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if if it's a conspiracy because they. I don't think they tore Clay Thompson's ACL or they broke Steph Curry's hand, but I don't think they were terribly upset when Steph Curry was. Uh, found to be out for pretty much the whole year. I don't I think they're just yep. like, "Oh no, darn, now we're going to have to be bad." Oh no. Um cuz now like Draymond Green's getting sat for any sort of ailment they can find on a given night. Like he mm-hmm. sat out Monday night cuz of his heel. Um d'angelo Russell's been out a couple times with with minor injuries. He might be back for the Hornets game on Wednesday. But uh yeah, they're whenever whenever they can whenever they could find an injury to put on the report Russell and uh, Draymond go out, and I so I think they're fully leaning into this idea of being like the latent top top three pick, and they have D'Angelo Russell still too, and t- on their team or to to flip for better for more assets next summer. Yeah, not, with, with that fair.
1: being said, with that being said, it's it's crazy to say this, but we have Golden State next. Do you see that
0: as a win? It should be, but. This it, we know it's going to be close, like we talked about yeah, earlier. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, i I
1: predicted for last time we were on this podcast. I predicted we were going to go on a four game winning streak, and
0: that was not a good prediction. <laughs> but now <you> try, <laughs> now you, oh yeah, because that was with the the Wizards, Bulls, Heat, and Pistons. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now you, well, you could try again because now we have the the Warriors, Nets, Hawks, and Wizards all at home. Um, the Warriors are bad, and they the Hornets should win. Whether or not they will is another story. The Nets are not bad, but Kyrie Irving's not playing still. Um, they've been good without him, but they don't look as imposing on paper when Kyrie Irving's got to worry about Spencer Dinwiddie.
1: Yeah, and you wonder who matches up with Dinwiddie in that game. Do you put – I mean, the, the problem with it, with the Hornets is that you don't there's not There's – there's not a defensive answer. And the best defensive answer we've been able to come up with,
0: it's so sad to say, is Bismack Biombo. <laughs> who has been I just, playing well. Yeah. I, it's just, the Hornets, because of the way their roster is constructed right now, they basically start two point guards, two power forwards, and a center. Um, so guys like Dinwiddie, who are kinda, who are in between that, who are like combo guards, are kind of a matchup problem. Yeah. Because you either put on – you either put Rozier, who's too small, or Bridgers, who's probably not quick enough, and then Dinwiddie's just going to have his way. Um, The the other team, I want to talk about the Hawks, because the Hawks have had a wild season so far. Very weird. They, in consecutive games on Saturday night, so so Saturday they gave up 158 points. James Harden scores 60 points in three quarters. Two days later, wait, go ahead. Well, I was going to say
1: he scored 60 points, his career high is 61 and they didn't play him in the fourth quarter for 1 minute for him to jack up a 3 to get his uh, he, he get was his mad about
0: it too. Career high, yeah. He he looked he saw it on the scoreboard and he got mad. But the 2 days later, they play an obviously lesser team in the Warriors, but they allow 79 points. They have 158 points and then 79 points in back-to-back games against NBA basketball teams. I don't know if a team has had a wider range of outcomes over a two-game span in the history of the NBA. And before that Rockets loss, they had just lost the past
1: 10 games. It, yeah, It's not been a good season for Atlanta. And you see them coming up on the schedule, and I'm tempted to say that that's our W. In the next four four games, they're going to go 1-3, and three, and we're going to beat Atlanta. It's going to be the Hawks.
0: Yeah. I, um, <laughs> well, the other game after that's the Wizards um the wizards have also just just beat us yeah they did um they also just gave up 150 points to the clippers um (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what it is so the hornets are playing back-to-back games on uh i think it's what sunday and tuesday but they're playing back-to-back games against the hawks and the wizards against two teams that have both given up 150 points in regulation to the clippers talk about a fun stat yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, the Clippers are the
1: best team in the NBA. The second best team in the NBA. Yeah, um, they're up there. Yeah, it's they're having a great season, and it's you know we lost. What we give up one forty ish to the Raptors. Uh, one thirty two to the Raptors,
0: I think.
1: Yeah, one thirty two. One thirty
0: two to the Raptors, and one thirty seven to the Bucks on Saturday.
1: Yeah. So as we've discussed, the defense isn't the best either. So, <laughs> And we just lost to uh, Washington last week, so I don't I, – I, I can only predict going forward what I've seen in the past. And besides Atlanta, I mean, I know Brooklyn has no Kyrie, but that could be a plus just because Kyrie has problems <laughs> being it's, a teammate. It's a locker room cancer. <laughs> yeah. And I could see Golden State not wanting to lose to the Hornets twice in a season.
0: So you going that they're gonna go you think the Hornets are gonna go uh one and three over the next four? Yes. You're better for me. I'm gonna say two and two. I think they lose to the Nets just because the Nets are starting to figure it out. And then I think they'll get one of the three against the, the Warriors or Falcons, Warriors, Hawks, and uh, Wizards. Um, speaking of that though, on Sunday we got a, a good old Charlotte versus Atlanta doubleheader. I don't know if you noticed that.
1: What do you mean? Um, oh, the um, the, Falcons? the Falcons. Yeah, the yeah. Panthers
0: play the Falcons at one, and then pretty much right after that game ends, the Hornets play the Hawks at five. So that's yeah. that's a uh, an interesting Talk day about, of sports.
1: Yeah, and they and, and losing in the third quarter, giving things up in the in the uh, third and fourth quarter. it's just you know, two. It's a harder to see. The Panthers lose in that fashion <laughs> simply because I expect more of the of the Panthers. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's just been it's been a
0: hard season on in both front both professional <laughs> sports for Charlotte fans. Oh, and for Atlanta fans, so it's just a, it's a good old time of wallowing in self pity between Charlotte and Atlanta on Sunday. Um so I think that'll be interesting to see how that goes. So I say two and two, you say one and three for the next four games? yes yes and and just to remind everybody i told i said they were gonna go 4-0 and last time so i'm <laughs> not debbie downer all the time <laughs> so he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to balance out the all the losses you got in that one it's but. a yin and yang kind of thing, exactly. <laughs> yeah all right all right we'll take a quick break and when we get back we're gonna do buzz and it wasn't and talk about some nba schedule changes that might be on the horizon Welcome back to the At The Hive podcast. We've got a, we've got who's buzzing and who's wasn't coming up. But first, I want to talk about the NBA's proposed massive schedule overhaul. It'd be hugely beneficial to the Hornets. So for those of you who don't know, I'm going to run through it real quick. The first thing, the conference finals will be reseeded. So the top team left will play the worst team that's left and the second and third teams will play, regardless of conference, which I think is an answer to the Warriors and Rockets playing when they're the two best teams. A couple years ago with the winner going on to just sweep the Cavs. And that was the Warriors, obviously. That probably doesn't affect the Hornets in any way in the near future. What do affect, what things do affect the Hornets is a play-in round for the playoffs. So it'd be the, the 7, 8, 9, and 10 team. Seven, eight, 7 through 10 would all have a chance to make the playoffs. 7 plays 8, 9 plays 10. Seven, the winner of 7 and 8 gets the 7 seed. The winner of 9 versus 10 plays the loser of 7 versus 8. The winner of that game gets the 8 seed. That helps the Hornets. That would have definitely helped the Hornets in recent years. So that r- rule comes a, little, a few years too late, but we'll get to that. And the other thing is a mid-season tournament where games in the opening month of the season. Those games would count towards the regular season record, but they would also function as a sort of pool play. The six division winners and two wild cards make an 18 tournament. Single elimination happens around this time of year. Winner gets, I don't know what yet, money maybe a traffic. I don't know how it will work, but I think it'd be fun. Zach, do you have any general thoughts on the uh, proposed rule changes? What if I just said no, and there was just no,
1: <laughs> n- nothing
0: for the podcast. that would be horrible, wasn't it? I, um, I can talk about it a lot. I have a lot of opinions on it, but I don't, I don't want to monopolize this show. Yeah, no. All right. So d- just some
1: general feelings about it. A. I like that the NBA is creative and they're Mm -hmm. always trying to find ways to re-engage their audience. There's some idea. I mean, you can look at the ratings, regular season games really don't get any ratings. Yeah. As far as the the Hornets go, the play in games for the uh, eight or seven through Mm ten, eight through ten, eight through ten, seventh through 10. Yeah. would be great for the Hornets because if we're good, we're always kind of in that area and we're in that area right now. But what I want to talk about is the idea of reseeding the conferences.
0: Mm-hmm. If, you,
1: if you reseed it, then what that means, if I'm understanding it correctly, is that they're just taking the best teams from both conferences, which, with, which means that we used to get the 8th seed in the Eastern Conference with a way worse record than the 8th seed in the Western Conference. So we will no longer be the 7th, 8th, and ninth, 10th seeds. It, so,
0: am, I, am I understanding that right? No, it'd only be for the conference finals, because I don't think there's any, there's no way that the Eastern Conference owners would allow the the lead yeah, to go to a, Western <laughs>
1: Conference
0: teams. Yeah, because the Eastern Conference teams owners like that they can make play three four. Right. But so what would happen is the conference finals when you get down to the last four teams, those would get reseeded, no, regardless of the. T- uh, the conferences. So the regular the playoffs before the conference finals would would go on as normal. And then so like the reason they they want to do it most likely is because I think it was 2018 um when the Warriors and the Rockets had that big showdown in the Western Conference Finals and then the winner and then the Cavs made the finals is like the 5 seed in the east what happened was basically everybody's like, All right, the Warriors and Rockets, this is for the finals, because whoever wins this series is just gonna blow the Cavs out of the water. And that completely killed like the build up to the finals and it made the finals bad. Right. So the NBA wants to not have that happen again. So in that situation, the Warriors would play like I think it was the Celtics that year, and then the Rockets would play the Cavs. Both of them would just run through those teams no problem, and then we'd have the it's finals and we have two best teams playing for the championship and that's what the league wants and i understand why they'd want that because that makes the finals better viewing and that's when they should be at their best sure and the knockout um playoff round in the middle of the season i
1: think is a great idea i think there it brings kind of a march madness feel to the Mm -hmm. regular season and i think bill simmons has been talking about something like this for the past few years
0: yeah and i think the the pushback, I don't know why you'd push back against it other than you just don't want change because it doesn't really affect your viewing experience as a fan other than to be like, oh, this is a fun thing. So it's it's kind of an idea from soccer over in Europe. So like in England, for example, they have the Premier League season that goes on throughout the year, but they also have two cups that go on in the middle of the season that run concurrently with the uh, Premier League season. And the big clubs don't care about it that much do and when you win them, like it's not nearly as big a deal as winning the actual like Premier League title, but it is it's still a trophy, you know, like it's still an accomplishment of some sort. And for teams like the Hornets, or teams that aren't exactly competing for titles right now, I think it's a good thing to give them something that they can win, you know? Like, if if wouldn't it be better this season to come away saying we went like twenty and sixty-two, but we won the mid-season tournament. That was pretty cool. You know what I mean? I do. I, it gives it gives teams reasons not to
1: DNP players too, which I think mm-hmm. is a great thing. And also, it'll take a while before we care about whatever whoever wins that tournament, but mm-hmm. eventually we will care about it. It'll take a few years for people to care about it, but I think it gives you another reason to watch regular season games, which is what the NBA wants, and I want it as well because I like it. Like to talk to people about the NBA.
0: Wouldn't you be more inclined to watch a game on a random Saturday in December if it was like the whatever they call it championship game? as opposed if it was just like game 27 of the regular season. Yeah. Like I exactly. definitely would take, make more of an effort to watch it. And so I, and like, I think so uh, Woj and Zach Lowe talked about it on the Woj pod. Um, the NBA seems aware that this won't be like a rousing success right away. Like you said, it'll take a while because once it becomes a tradition, so to speak, then people start to care about it more. But at first people always kind of, are lukewarm at best about these things because people don't like change. Do you have an
1: idea for what they should call the cup for what they should call the <laughs> tournament?
0: I don't know. They'll probably have a sponsor, which always kind of adds to it. Oh for some God! Reason. <laughs> you know oh, yeah. the Kia. Yeah, yeah <laughs> the Kia <laughs> NBA Cup or whatever, something like that. Um, but yeah, it's something like that. I think it'd be fun. You know, get a trophy to put in the arena. Um, just, just something. I think it'd be. It just it breaks the monotony of the regular season. Which I don't understand how that's anything but good. You might you might not find it super exciting, but I can't see how it's a downgrade from a regular run-of-the-mill, regular uh, regular season game. It isn't, and I think that people, like you said, who argue against it, just
1: this is the way we've always done it. I don't want things to change, you know?
0: Yeah, plus the other upside of that is you'll probably get teams from the East and the West playing against each other. And that's fun just because it doesn't happen that often. you know what I, like you play a, they play interconference matchups twice a year, and you might get like a third game between the like Mavericks and the Celtics or something, which is just like, oh this is different. We don't see this very often, so I think it, that, that yeah it'll really. be fun to see them interact and like you said ha- have a different change of pace with that yeah. rule change so I think and so I think it's good for the hornets. the hornets have another a thing they can actually like ruin. And then the play-in games, as they get better, will help. They would have definitely helped the last couple of years where the Hornets are bad all season, and then they finish strong and then finish the nine seed. They could have, I'm pretty sure they could have made the playoffs if they had a chance to play like the Pistons last year. Well, we know they would have beat the Pistons last year. Yeah, as long as – and I believe this is what they're thinking about too, as long as it doesn't
1: add games. It shouldn't add games to the playoffs. No. It shouldn't add games to the regular season. You should take it away from the regular season and mm. and – incorporate it into the i guess they're talking about 78 games yeah 78 it'd be 78
0: game. yeah so the only you would play you'd probably play less than 82 games the only way you play more is if you make it to the finals of the uh in-season tournament and then you're either the eight and then you either lose the eight seven eight game or you win the nine and ten game so if you do both of those things you could play 83 games but that's highly unlikely to happen for the same team
1: all right, so these proposed rule changes have to be approved by the league's board of governors. Yeah if I if I gave you one rule change, so of these proposed rule changes, I said one of them is going to pass and you had to choose one, which would it be?
0: Uh if I am a like an unbiased person, I would probably say the reseeding of the conference finals. Sure. As a Hornets fan, I would probably say the in season tournament. See, I'm going to take the in-season tournament just because I
1: think even as an unbiased person because I think more teams are affected by the in-season tournament mm-hmm. versus the reseeding at the on the conference final. Yeah, level. I think
0: the reseeding is has the biggest effect on ratings, which is I think why the NBA that's probably the most likely to get approved. But as from my perspective as someone who loves just watching the NBA regardless, the in-season tournament is the most appealing to me personally.
1: Yeah, and your example of the Warriors going and uh, defeating Cleveland four, there's also an example of them playing the, the Rockets uh, defeating the Rockets, but getting spent in that series and Mm -hmm. then losing to the Cavaliers. So, So both examples are possible.
0: Yeah. It's just, and then, and then you end up with not the most compelling matchup for the finals. And that's not, that's not how the season should end. I agree. So moving on, we've got who's buzzing and who's wasn't to wrap up the show. I've got one of each. So who, who is your buzzing? I mean, we
1: have to say this person
0: because he's getting playing
1: time. He's scoring, which we've <laughs> rarely seen in his career. And he's doing what he really should be doing, which is rebounding the ball. A uh, Mr. Bismack Biyombo.
0: That is the correct answer that's yeah he's only buzzing as well yeah i don't i I don't think there's anybody else i think it'd be a disservice to talk about anybody else in this in this section because of how well he's played yeah and you know we give him
1: there's a there's a lot of things you can talk about negatives in his game and when but when he's doing what he's made to do when he's doing what he got paid to do which is rebound the ball show some presence in the paint on defense he's serviceable on a team that doesn't have any playoff uh, aspirations, <laughs> which is which, it sounds like an underhanded compliment, but it's a compliment to Biombo. He's able to be out there and do things, and he's been doing that for the past week.
0: So I wrote about him yesterday on at the Hive about him. First of all, the fact that he's playing so well is a testament to him because you don't just like wake up one morning and get that much better at basketball. It's also a testament to this coaching staff because I don't think it's a coincidence that he's gone. He was basically the same player for years three through eight of his career, and then he gets his first fall off season with this staff, and he's suddenly like a really like a not really good, but like a very serviceable, competent center. Like, I don't think that's a coincidence, and the the how much better he's been like across the board. Like I think that's a testament to the coaching staff and how they develop players. I have some stats. I for do. Biz. I
1: think it's a testament to Biombo as well. What you got?
0: So this season, he's averaging 17 points per 36 minutes. Do you know what his previous career high was? I'm going to say 13. 11. 11. 11.3 points per game. You know, I was going for 11. (laughs) Wow. So he's up by almost six points per game over, or six points per 36 minutes over his previous career best. He's doing that with, the highest usage of his career, his usage rate this season is 19%. The previous highest of his career was about 15. So that's a pretty significant bump. Despite that, he's shooting the second best percentage from the field for his career. He's straight of his career and the lowest turnover rate of his career. So he's shooting more. He's shooting more efficiently. He's turning the ball over less and he's making better decisions with the ball, like across the board, better. But that's that's amazing for somebody who's in his eighth season, ninth season, to just have that sudden improvement like that.
1: and you see it in his play as well. And mm-hmm. and it's weird to to think of Bismack Biombo as the uh veteran leader on a team, or the mm-hmm. uh you see the team react to hey, he's a defensive, he's our quote unquote defensive stalwart. He's the the guy that we can uh co- count on to get the rebound. And he's been like he—he's been scoring too. It's just when you've got when you're at the bottom of the barrel when you're looking for something, it's great that you can find somebody like Bismack Biombo.
0: And he can catch now. Like he's done so many well, things yeah, this season. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, he's not fumbled the ball away nearly as often as he has in years past, and he's making tough catches too. Like they're throwing him passes in traffic and bounce passes and no look passes and like transition bounce passes and he's just catching and finishing all of them. I've never seen him steal a ball like on the perimeter before. And he's done it twice this year and dribbled in for dunks. I've never seen him do that before. He's done it twice already this year. I don't know what's gotten into him, but it's fun because he seems like the most likable person on the planet.
1: I mean, yeah. uh, One of the things that may have gotten into him is that it's
0: contract year. And (laughs) that doesn't hurt. Yeah, I bet he would like somebody somewhere to give him a contract. (laughs) It also helps for the Hornets if they try to trade him at the deadline, because now it looks like he can actually be like a a helpful piece for somebody as opposed to just an expiring contract.
1: Yeah, yeah. One of these days going forward, we're going to talk about potential trade pieces and his name has got to come up somewhere. All right. So who is your wasn't? So that and again, I may be going with an obvious wasn't and I don't know what yours is, um, but we mm-hmm. may have the same one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's M- MKG. Oh it's no, just... it wasn't mine. Okay. G I'm I'm good and it's I say it's obvious because he gets DNPs all the time. There's new no minutes for this guy. Um our uh cook our colleague Andrew Waters wrote this interesting article about him needing a new team to maybe uh, changes fortune in the NBA, and I, we've seen people uh, have success outside of the Hornets, um, and maybe it was the Hornets situation that, that made them not have success. I don't think it is the Hornets, man. I don't think M- MKG is an NBA player, and I don't think you can have him on a 2019 NBA team, period. Um, that sounds really harsh coming yeah. out of my mouth. But it seems to be the case. The defense that he brought four years ago, we're not seeing. And he's not getting the minutes. And that's my wasn't. I know it sounds obvious, but that's, <sighs> you know. is there, Am I looking at it the wrong way? Can
0: you no, see? Give me, I, give me the other side of the coin. I, no, I just think it's an interesting situation. Because he's not even getting into the game in garbage time. They're not like, putting him out there at all. Yeah, so I don't know what's yeah. going on there. It's 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 an odd situation. I don't know. I feel like he's going to be on a team next year, I think, if he wants to be, because there's even questions about how much he even wants to play basketball, it seems like. Um, He'll be on a team next year, I think, but I don't know what his role would be, because now he's just kind of like an okay defensive guy with an okay motor, when his defense and motor were the only things that kept him on the court before. I
1: would love to do... I would love to see, or maybe I should write the article about <laughs> like his transition between college, what the, what the hopes of his potential were mm-hmm. and, you know, him coming up with, you know, we're tanking for A- Anthony Davis. We get MKG instead. The, I was really hopeful about MKG when he first came mm-hmm. on the team and it just never come to fruition. I'd love to get his side of the story as well and and see where he think where he thinks he's at in yeah,
0: his Yeah. kind of like re scout him as a college prospect and see like what you know what kind of potential you see in the in the kid version of him. Yeah. Like at, without considering what he's become like without using the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, that would be an interesting uh article, or a, an interesting take. I uh my wasn't is hurtful to me because I'm such a big fan of him personally. Uh but it's Miles Bridges. And it's not anything he's done uh, obviously wrong on the court. He's had a couple games where not there, and it's just like everything he's doing is wrong. And it's not so much his fault where he just can't catch a break or he's just having an off night. But his uh, on-off numbers this year are legitimately among the worst in the league. So do you know what Cleaning the Glass is? The website? Yes, I know the website. Yeah, I was like, yeah. it's re- rebounding. No, just <laughs> no, yeah, no. no, yeah. So, so they 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 do all these advanced, all these stats, and they eliminate garbage time and like last possessions of quarter heaves and stuff. So it's like regular possessions of basketball. Uh, Miles Bridges, the on off his on off differential. So the team's net rating when he's on the court is twenty two points for one hundred possessions worse than when he's on the court. Um, that is in the first percentile, as in ninety-nine percent of players in the NBA have a better on off net rating. It's not yeah, good.
1: Yeah, so so and you're saying that you're coming to the conclusion that the team is better with him off the court than it is on
0: the court based on those stats. They they have they they have been better with him off the court with him on the court. Now I don't know how much of that is – I mean, I, obviously it has something to do with Miles Bridges. It, it's not that – like it's not entirely a coincidence. I think there's an element that when he is on the court, he's generally like starting with a lot of young players. And when he gets subbed out, it's for guys like Marvin Williams and Nick Batum who at this right. point in their careers are much better at making their team better than Miles Bridges is. So I don't think that's you an indictment on – the Nick
1: Batum compliment in there, didn't you? <laughs> I,
0: I, somebody has to – <laughs> to do to fight the good fight, and as much as everybody hates him, that he's like actually a useful player. Um, he's speaking of he's in the ninetieth percentile with a plus twelve point six on off differential. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so I don't think it's so to speak, but it is a little concerning that the team has been so much better without him on the floor. Like it's not exactly what you want to see from a guy who's shown like good. Skills and good talent, like it makes you wonder what he's doing wrong and what he needs to do to get better. Agreed. It's it's year two. I, I you know the
1: experiment isn't done yet. No, I think he's got some evolution left in his outside shot that he could get better at, and we could see an evolution there. And and the idea of him and PJ playing together, figuring out the right combo of those two. That's the future of the Hornets. So that's very important for the Hornets to figure out. Yeah. I, I, I understand why you put him in. It wasn't especially the past few games. But I could see him figuring out, figuring it out in the next two weeks. I could see him being mm, a buzzing too. candidate in the next two weeks.
0: buzzing He's been a buzzing candidate already this season. But it was just something yeah, that I stumbled upon. And it was something that made me sad when I saw it when I, it's got a it's got a big blue one next to his differential which is like it might be the worst on off differential in the league so get get that fixed miles and for Do what it. it's worth by the way for what it's worth uh cody martin and Devonte graham are both in the 99th percentile but they're on off differential so yeah. Devonte right. graham divide <laughs> more so for Devonte graham because everybody loves Devonte. but anyway that's all the time we got for today thanks everybody for listening Uh, Subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms, and we'll talk to you guys next week. R.I.P. Ron Rivera. (laughs) See you guys.